Hi, ladies. I'm Dr. Brooke, and welcome to the Women's Strong Podcast. Women's Strong is an online women's wellness program that covers the foundations of health through lessons, exercises, daily challenges, and live interviews with female experts on a variety of health topics. Women Strong also provides a supportive community of like-minded ladies who encourage one another toward improved health and vitality. This podcast is a collection of excerpts from some of our Women Strong live interviews. We are so grateful to all of our experts for sharing their wisdom with our community. These strong women have taught us so much, and we're thrilled to share their expertise and wellness tips through this podcast. If you'd like to hear the complete interviews, or if you'd like to be present on these live Zoom calls with our experts, then sign up for the Women Strong membership at womenstrongtogether.com. We can't wait to meet you and begin supporting you on your wellness journey. This interview on mindfulness with Kelsey Diastra is featured within the stress management module of the Women's Strong curriculum. Kelsey is a Fort Collins-based yoga and meditation teacher specializing in mindfulness, stress management, and overall mental well-being. This was such a wonderful interview for our community because Kelsey very generously gave us tons of helpful mindfulness techniques to try on our own. There are even more tools and exercises that got edited out of this podcast episode, but you can of course access the complete interview through our Women Strong membership. Kelsey sees clients both in person and virtually, so you can access her four weeks to more mindfulness, individualized one-on-one training, no matter where you are in the world. Connect with Kelsey by email at trainwithkelsey at gmail.com or on social media at Kelsey Diastra. That's K-E-L-S-E-Y-D-I-A-S-T-R-A. Can you talk to us a little bit about mindfulness and how you got involved um, and how you started learning more about mindfulness initially? Sure. So mindfulness, um, I, I first sort of started getting into mindfulness. I did some, some research on mindfulness when I was in college and when I did social work afterwards, I led some, some trainings on mindfulness. And then for me, I sort of revisited mindfulness when I came back to yoga. So yoga was sort of an avenue for me to get more involved in mindfulness, though certainly mindfulness, while it's part of yoga, it doesn't have to intrinsically be linked to yoga. I would say for me, mindfulness um, and sort of generally accepted definition of mindfulness is being aware of yourself in the present moment. So not dwelling in sort of a past moment via remembering, not dwelling in a future moment via anticipation, but really being rooted in your present and knowing what's going on around you and within you. So to me, mindfulness happens when you awaken your inner witness and begin to witness the moment, witness yourself, witness the world around you more fully. 
mindfulness isn't something that's added. We all have mindfulness. We all already have moments where we are mindful of the world around us, those sort of moments of being awake to ourselves, to the moment, to what's happening around us. There, it's already there, but what happens is things like stress, anxiety, the hubbub of the day, the action happening around us, stuff that we're thinking about what we have to do in the future, about that we've already done, sort of adds these layers that start to dampen our natural mindfulness. So a lot of what I do is helping people identify the areas that for them tend to trigger that sort of dampening of their mindfulness and then employing and building a toolbox. And it's different for every person, different things work for every person, but building a toolbox that sort of helps snap out of those layers or remove those layers so that you then awaken that mindfulness that's already there. Wow. Okay, great. So what types of tools are you referring to? Sure. So to me, the most useful tool, uh, something that has unquestionably helped every every client I've ever worked with, every student I've ever worked with for mindfulness is having a morning routine. I find that for most people, thing that prevents mindfulness is actually remembering that you're supposed to be <laughs> practicing mindfulness. Um, so speaking to that, starting with a morning routine, and it does not have to be like, 20 minutes of sitting in silence and meditating. It might literally be just in that moment when you lay awake before you get out of bed, repeating, I am mindful five times to yourself or propping yourself up in bed and just taking a moment to sort of touch each finger, becoming aware of yourself. Notice how your breath is. Notice what your first thoughts are of the day so that you're starting your day with a heightened sense of awareness forefront of your mind as you move throughout the rest of your day. Um, another tool is sort of involves after the fact mindfulness. So when people think about cultivating mindfulness, they think that it has to start wherein one day something happens and they've somehow flipped a switch and they're then mindful in everything. Oftentimes mindfulness actually starts a little bit after the fact wherein you maybe have gone through an experience, you notice that your mindfulness was not present there after the fact. And what most people do is they're like, oh, like I should have, you know, employed a breath tool or a meditation tool or an awareness tool in that moment, but I didn't. And then they kind of move on realizing, thinking that they've lost the moment when what people should do is pause, go back in their head to that moment kind of walk through it again in their mind or apply that technique. If it's a breath technique, we use breathing a lot for mindfulness because it's such an anchor to the present moment. Mm -hmm. And actually, as you walk through that moment again in your head, apply that breath technique just as an example. Because then your brain develops that association, that awareness. So the next time, maybe you notice partway through and then you apply it. And then slowly you bring to that moment. So it doesn't have to be, and it certainly doesn't really seem to work for many people where suddenly they've, they've flipped a switch. It, it starts with sort of realizing a little bit after the fact and then going back and making sure your brain has then made that association to apply it. Oh, that's so interesting. So what I'm hearing from you is that it's not too late. It's right. not too late to go ahead and use whatever tool you, or do whatever you thought you should have done in the moment. Right. Go ahead and do what you intended to do or what you think you should yeah. have done. Right. So the oh, moment may have 
past where it would be most useful to you, but you're never going to be able to apply it in those moments unless you're okay with being like, okay, like I should have, you know, that would have been a good moment to apply that. I didn't. That's okay. I'm going to apply it now. And that will help your brain create that association to then remember to do it subsequently. Um, another tool that I teach people to sort of develop, so you have your, say, ritual that you do every morning that awakens your mindfulness. And for every person, it's going to be different. It may be as simple as when you step outside with your dogs while they're using the backyard that you, you know, take a moment, okay, what's the temperature of the air on my skin? What does my mouth taste like this morning? What is the first thought in my mind? Almost like having a little conversation with yourself that awakens awareness. Um, or it may be like a seated you know, meditation for 20 minutes or five minutes. But whatever it is, having something in the morning that awakens it. So that's sort of your ritual. And then to have things that spark it throughout the day. So over the years, I've had students where they've built an association so that every time they stop at a stoplight, they take five deep breaths and repeat, I am mindful, or they observe and become awake. For some people, it's like every time they uh, use the bathroom, they remember. But things, every time you sit down for a meal, you do a little something. So it's sort of building these little moments so that things that you know you're going to do every day become little reminders to awaken your awareness so that you have these little reminders built in already exist into your already existing routine. And then uh, over time, you then begin to notice times when you need to employ mindfulness. So I call sort of that third part of it, you have your ritual, you have the, your morning ritual, you have those little things built in through different times throughout the day that are connected to activities that you do. And then the third part is what I call like disruptors. Um, so if you become aware that you have lost your awareness, and for most people it's either because they've become so busy that they're sort of running ahead of themselves um, or stress-related, for tons of people it's stress-related, uh, where you sort of lose yourself for a moment in, in the day. When you notice that, how do you bring yourself back in? And those tools might be like in yoga we use lion's breath, so you go like, and uh, that's one a lot of people use. I actually have a student who's 12 years old, and she came up to me the other day, and she was like, Kelsey, I just totally lost myself in the middle of the day, so I just, this is uh, when she was old school, so a few weeks ago. She's like, so I just went into the girls' bathroom and, like, did three lions for us. Um, but you learn, the, and so for her, that works. For other people, it might be, like, counting your breath, inhaling one, exhaling two. But you learn these little techniques and you figure out the ones that work for you that you then employ to disrupt that sort of running ahead of yourself that helps you come back for a moment, catch up with yourself, and then reawaken that mindfulness. Wow. Yeah, that's great. How, that, how cool. She's 12 years old and she's already developing these tools that are going to benefit her for the rest of her life. That's amazing. Um, so question. So you know, we all know that like mindfulness is good and like we all should be mindful, but can you speak a little bit more to like why, you know, like just a little, maybe a little bit more than just knowing that this is good. Like how can being mindful actually help us in our lives? Sure. So, so coming back to sort of the primary principle of mindfulness being existing in the present and being awake to the present versus running ahead or behind of yourself. Um, I, I would refer to like, I think uh, Eckhart Tolle, the philosopher and sort of spiritual teacher, um, 
sort of hit the nail on the head where he says emotions like regret, sorrow, despair, um, anger, all of those emotions tend, while they're very natural, we all will, will always experience them to some extent. Uh, when we sort of become overwhelmed by those emotions, living too much in the past and not enough in the present, feelings like fear, anxiety, stress, um, even things like jealousy, that can go both ways, but those tend to be where we're living a little bit too much in the future and not enough in the present. So a lot of those, whereas things like happiness, joy, comfort, we may have sort of recollections of those things, but those are experienced and embodied in the present moment. So peace that happens in the moment. Um, so really it's about quality of life. Like most of the best moments of life, the, the most fulfilling emotions come from when we're anchored in the present. Whereas a lot of emotions, I, I try to avoid labeling emotions as positive or negative because they are what they are. And no matter how many tools you apply, we're all going to experience all of them to some extent. Um, but when certain ones like fear, regret, sorrow, anxiety, when those become the prominent emotions, it's typically because we've drifted too much into remembering or dwelling on the past or too much into being concerned about the future. And so those emotions tend to diminish a little bit or to become more useful in their roles rather than being consuming when we exist in the present. Is there anything else that you want to share with us about mindfulness before we open it up to questions? I would just say to remember that it's not all or nothing. Uh, it's not, you know, like there are days where, I mean, I teach mindfulness and there are days where I just like can't quite get it together to be aware. You know, we have days where we're tired. We have days where, where the stress, like we're, we're maybe not eradicating it. We're just working to keep it at a functional level. Like we, all have those days and so it does not have to be an all or nothing thing mindfulness is about showing up in each moment each day and and practicing uh that awareness but it's it doesn't matter if you've lost your awareness for whether it's a week a month you know 20 years or you've never felt like you've had it in your whole life each moment each breath is a is a fresh start is a fresh moment to be renewed in your mindfulness. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. You don't have to wait for a Monday. You don't have to wait for the new year. You don't have to wait until, you know, when this happens, then I'll work on that. Mindfulness is something that you can decide in the very next moment. Okay, I'm gonna become more aware of this texture, this color, the way I feel, how my breath is. It can be very simple things, but it, it is not an all or nothing thing. It ebbs and flows dependent on what's going on with your life. And that's totally normal. And even the, you know, masters of mindfulness in the world still have those days where mindfulness looks like, okay, we're just going to like keep it together today. So my mindfulness is my breath and just staying easy. And then they have days where, you know, they're hyper aware of everything, but it doesn't always look the same at the moment. And that's okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, it's a very fine line between sitting with something and wallowing in it. Um, 
and we never want to wallow in anything. So for me, I think being proactive in those scenarios. So it's one thing to just sort of like, if, if you're really struggling to just sort of sit with it without a technique, a technique that I like to employ is sort of the guest house technique, wherein you view the emotions you're experiencing as visitors to your guest house, your mind, your body, they are the guest house and you're receiving a visitor. Um, and go through, uh, there's four steps that I like to go through. And these are sort of derived from uh, Vipassana, which is Buddhist insight meditation. Um, but they, they don't have to be sort of applied in a meditative standpoint. So it's like, okay, let me use an example. I'm sitting here, I am paralyzed with, with stress uh, over uh, something I have to do tomorrow, or it might even be like, right, sending in sending an email, like, I, okay, I have to send an email to this person and I am paralyzed with stress, I can't get started. I need to process, I need to sit with this stress that I'm feeling. So the first thing is recognition. I peep out the people of my house and I see who's standing on my front porch. Okay, I'm, uh, fear is on my front porch. Yes, and I'm afraid of maybe how this email will sound or what the reaction will be. So the uh, recognition, who's at my front door, it's fear. Second, a little bit of inquiry. Um, so you open your front door and you invite them into your uh, foyer. You don't invite them to rummage through the drawers of your bedroom. You're just inviting it into your foyer and you're saying, okay, okay, fear. Like, you're, you're here. That's okay. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? And it's, it's not diagnostic. It's more just sort of observing. So for instance, it might be, uh, okay, fear, you're like manifesting in a stomach ache or you're manifesting intention in my neck. You might observe in that instance, uh, how it's manifesting in you. And that's useful because there's usually a couple things you can do right away. So for instance, if, if you notice it's manifesting in constricted breath, you can then immediately slow and steady your breath. If you notice it's manifesting in tension in your physical body, you can then immediately relax that. You know, so that can sometimes, it doesn't always, and it does not have to, but it can sometimes point to like a couple little adjustments that you can make that might help with that. Um, the third step, and, and the third and second step can kind of go together or be switched, is non-judgment. So you are not judging your visitor. You're not judging how the visitor is manifesting in you. So my visitor is fear. I'm not judging that I'm experiencing fear. Uh, it's manifesting in tension in my body and constriction in my breath or whatever it is. I'm not judging that that's how it's manifesting. Um, and then the third or the final step, the fourth step is called non-selfing. So it's the reminder that the visitor that you're experiencing in that moment is visiting everyone else too, maybe in a slightly different way. It's that reminder that all emotions exist within all beings at any given time. And every living human experiences, using fear as the example, fear sometimes. Um, and that that's part of the human experience, that you are not less than, you are not different for experiencing that, that that's part of the human condition, part of the human experience, and that you are not alone in that. Um, so it's that recognition of the shared experience of that in non-selfing, that I am, this is, I am not fear. I am not even identifying with the fear. I am just right now, 
right now, so not, I am so fearful. No, right now I am experiencing fear. So you're sort of non-selfing that experience then. Because so often when people feel paralyzed with regret, stress, depression, sadness, they, um, they identify with that thing as themselves. And then they also uh, tend to apply it as like this indefinite experience. And the second you remember that it's just a temporary state of being, even if it's a prolonged temporary state of being, right? Even if it's been years long that you've been struggling with it, the second you take away that, that label of it, that is me, I am fear, I am depression, I am stress, when you take that away, suddenly uh, there's an opportunity there and, and a hope there. And then a lot of those other emotions that go along with those things, like shame, start to d diminish. It's the same thing with non-selfing. The reason I like non-selfing so much, so, so many of us, you know, when we feel paralyzed by something like stress or depression, we, we begin to be ashamed of it uh, when we shouldn't be because it is just a human experience. And some of us have had, you know, things or have other things going on that maybe we do experience that particular emotion more strongly right now, but it's still, it's still part of the human experience. That part, that doesn't change. And so there's no reason to feel shame from it. So as soon as you, A, don't assign it as your identity, uh, you don't assign it as an indefinite state, and you recognize that it's uh, not sort of uniquely yours, that it's a non-selfing experience, then, then that oftentimes that sort of shame that comes with it diminishes. If you liked this episode, please share it with others. And if you have time, please rate us or leave a comment. If you'd like to give us feedback or request any topics to be covered in future podcasts, we'd love to hear from you at support at womenstrongtogether.com. Big thanks to Jordan Frankly Speaking Schneider for doing our music. Another big thanks to our Women Strong experts for taking the time to share their wisdom with our ladies. If you want to join our supportive community and participate in live interviews like this one in the future, sign up for the Women Strong membership at womenstrongtogether.com. Until next time, this is Dr. Brooke from Women Strong, wishing you health, vitality, and the strength to continue evolving into your best self.